This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to two openings of Scripture. Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 6. We've been teaching a series for the last number of weeks that we've entitled Keys of the Kingdom. And we base that on the golden text scripture that we used in Matthew 16, where Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they answered and said, well, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus said, who do you say I am? Peter answers and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answers and says unto him, this is verse 17 of Matthew 16. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, now the rock that he's talking about is the knowledge that Jesus is the Christ. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I like another translation that says the gates of hell shall not be able to hold out against it. Verse 19 is the one I want you to see. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now I want you to notice that he's talking about keys. He says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now people didn't have locks on the doors in those days like we do. So the keys he's talking about are not things that unlock doors or buildings or anything like that what he's talking about is a key is making you a master in uh, the educational system of that day if you master a certain area of study what we would consider to be university or or the equivalent thereof they gave you a key to uh, to hang around or to wear around hang on your belt to wear around your waist that way everybody could see that you had mastered that certain area of study So Jesus is talking about making the masters. Well, masters of what? He said, and I will make you masters of the kingdom of God. And notice what that entails. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, whatever you think about binding and loosing, and there's a lot of goofy teaching out there about it, but whatever you think about binding and loosing, uh, one thing is for certain, and that is, He's talking about the exercise of authority. He's talking about you deciding for yourself how things are going to be in your own life. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is asked by the disciples to teach them to pray. They said, John's disciples taught them to pray. Why don't you teach us to pray? So he gives them what the church world knows as the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. And it's not a New Testament prayer. It was a prayer for the interim period of time while Jesus was here on the earth. Because Jesus said in that day, following his resurrection, you shall ask me nothing but whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. So New Testament prayer is in the name of Jesus, directed to the Father in the name of Jesus. Well, the name of Jesus isn't in that prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. So it's for a period of time, a short term period of time while jesus is here on the earth to fulfill the plan of redemption and notice in verse 10 
you could quote the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure, as well as I could. But one thing we want to pull out of there is that Jesus said, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Now, he's talking about God's kingdom, so it would be the kingdom of God. And notice what he tells the disciples to pray. Thy kingdom come. Well, that means it hadn't come yet then, doesn't it? Jesus wouldn't tell them to pray that God would cause something to come that had already come. So we see that it's the will of God for the kingdom of God to come because he wouldn't tell them to pray something that was against God's will. Now, what is this kingdom of God? For a long time, a long time, I looked at this phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, and in most cases, those are interchangeable terms. There are a few isolated cases in the New Testament where the kingdom of heaven is talking about something other than what we have here on the earth now. But for the sake of our discussion this morning, we'll only use the scriptures in which the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven mean the same thing. So when Jesus says, thy kingdom come, I've always, until recently, very recently, looked at that as just kind of a generic phrase, the kingdom of God. But what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is all the things that God wants for you. Kingdom of God is all the things that Jesus has accomplished for you. Kingdom of God is anything that pertains to God. You know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So that just means keep your focus on heaven, spiritual things, and so forth. But folks, I was wrong. The kingdom of God is not a generic phrase. It's one that Jesus gave us a definition for. And he gives it to us right here in verse 10. He said, thy kingdom come. Here's what the will of God is. For the kingdom of God to come. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus defines it. Thy will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. If you look at the things that Jesus uh, designated and commissioned his disciples to do over in Matthew chapter 9 and 10, over in Luke chapter 9 and 10, you'll find that Jesus gave them power over sickness and disease He commissioned them and gave them authority to cast out devils. And then he told them that wherever they went, whatever city they went into, he said, if the city will receive you, heal the sick that are therein and say, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. That means it's near. Well, we know it hadn't come because Jesus told them to pray that it would come. But it was close. It was near. Every time it talks about the casting out of devils, it talks about the healing of sickness and disease, And Jesus equated that, connected that with this phrase, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is very simply anything that God wants for you in heaven and is provided for you in heaven. That's his will for you to have here. It's the condition in which the will of God is done for you here on the earth, just like it is in heaven. Now, folks, you know as well as I do that most of the church world is looking at heaven as a means of escape. Oh, won't it be a great thing when we finally get to heaven and get rid of this old nasty world? But this old nasty world is supposed to be very much like heaven and for you in your life now. At least that's what Jesus said. Now, notice with me over in John chapter 3, Jesus is approached by a man that's a member of the Pharisees, probably the Sanhedrin, the council that put him to death just a few years later. A man named Nicodemus, and he came to Jesus by night. 
It's an interesting thing. Anytime Nicodemus is mentioned, and he is mentioned three or four times, every time he's mentioned, he always is referred to as the one that came to Jesus by night. Apparently, he was too afraid of his fellow Pharisees and the repercussions for Jesus to be visited during the day. But there were some of the Pharisees that believed in him, and apparently Nicodemus was one of them. So I want you to notice what Nicodemus does, what he says to Jesus and how Jesus responds. We'll start in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know. Now I want you to notice what he knows. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. How do you know that? For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. I want you to notice that the miraculous is the sign that the world will recognize that God is with his people. Now, I know we've tried to turn that into something else. We mean the modern day church. We've tried to turn that into something else. But Jesus did not tell him, no, you're wrong. He didn't say, well, it's that way now, but one of these days we'll have church programs. Jesus responds in a manner that's very interesting. Nicodemus is attracted to and and convinced that God is with Jesus because of the miracles. And Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, why is Jesus talking about the kingdom of God? Well, remember Jesus' definition of the kingdom of God. Thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. So the miraculous, the miracles that Nicodemus has witnessed in and through Jesus' ministry is simply the will of God being done on the earth just like it is in heaven. And Jesus tells Nicodemus the key to the miraculous, the key to the kingdom of God, the key to that place which had not yet come the time Jesus is speaking where the will of God is done in the earth just like it is in heaven he said the key to that is being born again he goes on he explains to Nicodemus because Nicodemus is thinking naturally and he says well I don't get this how can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb Jesus answers in verse 5 and says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, that's natural birth, and of the Spirit, that's the new birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So notice the entrance into the kingdom of God where the will of God is done on the earth just like it is in heaven is the new birth. Now that's indisputable, is it not? Jesus gave us the definition for the kingdom of God. He said, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. That has to mean that the kingdom of God is where the will of God is done on the earth. Just like it is in heaven. What's it like in heaven? Any sickness or disease? No, that's why Jesus healed the sick. Any devil problems up in heaven? No, that's why Jesus cast out devils. And that's why he commissioned his disciples to do exactly the same thing. Not a different work, not a lesser work, not a hybrid work. Exactly the same thing. Because that is the kingdom of God in operation. That is the kingdom of God in operation.
the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus during the time that he was in the heart of the earth. Jesus was born again, and he was raised from the dead. The Bible says he was raised from the dead when you were justified, when you were declared righteous. In other words, the price was paid, and God said, that's enough. Mankind is declared righteous because of the sacrifice of my son. Now there's only one thing left to do, and that is to accept what he's done for you. Hi, I'm Chip Kimmick, one of the associate pastors here at Foothill Family Church. I wanted to take this time to invite you to come celebrate Easter with us here at Foothill Family on Sunday, April 16th. Enjoy some fellowship, worship, and a message by Pastor Mike about the hope that Jesus has brought us. Come join our family on Easter Sunday. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive. We'll have two services on Easter Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. And the Bible says, as a matter of fact, why don't you turn with me over to Colossians chapter 1. We've referred to some of these scriptures before. We're covering some ground that we've already covered. But for the sake of those that weren't with us, it's important to lay the foundation for these things again. Paul, in writing to the Colossians, talks about the work that Jesus did. Notice in verse 13, he says, Who, speaking of Jesus, has delivered us. That's past tense, already done. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? That would be the kingdom of the devil, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, his dear son has to refer to Jesus, does it not? So if the kingdom of the Bible says Jesus through his work of redemption on the cross, his sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection, has translated us, placed us into the kingdom of his dear son. Well, what would the kingdom of Jesus be if not the kingdom of God? In other words, thy kingdom has come through the new birth. Thy kingdom has come through the new birth. Folks, the Bible is telling us specifically and certainly that it can be and it should be for you here on the earth because you're born again, because you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, it can be and should be for you here on the earth just like it is in heaven. If the Bible is true, that must be the fact. Now, turn with me over to Mark chapter 4. We looked at some of these things before as well, but we want to go over some of it again, and we want to go a little bit further. Mark chapter 4, Jesus begins to speak by parables, and after the first parable of the sower sowing the word is over the disciples come to him and ask him the meaning of this and jesus answers beginning in verse 11 jesus answers unto them unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of god the mystery of the kingdom of god you go look in the bible look up in the bible the new testament how many times kingdom of god is referred to specifically how many times the bible says jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and things to that effect and it'll be an amazing thing to you. It, that is, if you had the idea that I used to have about it just being kind of a generic term. Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom could mean anything in my former thinking. I don't think that way anymore. 
I believe Jesus is specifically teaching that. I'm sure he did in a variety of ways. But I believe Jesus is specifically teaching wherever he goes that God wants it to be for you just like it is in heaven right now here on the earth. In fact, the Bible tells us, we looked at this before as well, in Luke chapter 4, it tells us that he preached from, Luke, from uh, Isaiah 61, what we know of as Isaiah 61, where he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach, that means to proclaim the good news to the poor. Well, what's good news to people that are poor? You don't have to stay poor. He said he was sent to heal the brokenhearted. Well, we know he did that. Brokenhearted doesn't mean hurt feelings. I think too many Christians are walking around with hurt feelings. They need to man up and realize who they are in Christ. No, he's talking about a brokenness in spirit, a breach in spirit. See, sickness has a spiritual origin. That doesn't mean the individual has sinned. But it means sin is the original cause of sickness and disease. That's why Jesus paid the price for sin. Not just your sins, but for sin. The origin of spiritual death. He says he was anointed to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Notice how people are set free that are in captivity. Through preaching. Through the hearing of words. Well, what words would Jesus have preached that would cause people to be free? Would it not be the preaching that God wants them to be free now here on the earth, just like they're going to be free in heaven? Notice he says the same thing about recovering of sight to the blind. That comes through preaching. Remember that Jesus said upon this rock, the knowledge that he's the Christ and the knowledge of what he will do in their case, will do for us, has done on the cross. He said, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The knowledge that God wants things to be for you here on the earth, just like they're going to be in heaven when we get there, will break the devil's power over your life if you act on it. So Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, verse 11 again, he said, unto you it's given to know the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom of God. The kingdom whereby God's will is done on the earth just like it is in heaven. Now folks, I want you to understand there's a secret. It's not a secret that's supposed to be hidden from the people of God. But it certainly is hidden from the world. And unfortunately it's hidden from too many Christians. But there is a secret to it. Well, what is the secret? Well, Jesus explains the parable explains that the sower is sowing the word or speaking the word of God. He said there are different kinds of people that produce different kinds of results. Some people hear it and the devil is able to plant doubt in their mind immediately and do away with the power of the word that they heard. Some people are like stony ground who initially hear the word but they don't have any root in themselves or have any moisture. They don't continue to water the word. When the Bible talks about watering, the word is talking about continuing to speak it. See, the first time you speak the word of God, you plant it. Every time thereafter you speak the word, you're watering it. So he's literally saying people 
there are certain types of people that won't stay with it. Because affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake. That tells us that the devil will stir up trouble in your life to try to distract you and hinder you from acting on the word. That means also the devil will stir up people in your life that will try to ridicule you or put you down for speaking the word in your situation. And those are enough for some people to turn loose. There are other types of people that Jesus identifies as as those that fell among thorns. They get distracted by the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, and the cares of this world enter in. Do you know what the deceitfulness of riches is? It's very simple. It's the idea, the thought, or the attitude that money will solve all your problems. Whatever problem there is, if we just throw more money at it, man, that'll fix it. That's really worked for the war on poverty, hasn't it? Trillions of dollars have been spent. And there are more people in poverty than when it started the program. Money's not the answer to anything. Well, let me change that. Money's not the answer to everything. But there are some situations that money's the only answer for. And God knows that. And some people just get caught up with the daily affairs and so forth. The important thing is there are some types of people that will allow themselves to be pulled away from speaking the word. But there is one type of people, one type of ground that Jesus identifies that brings forth fruit in different measures, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Those are the ones that don't let the affliction of persecution stop them. They had the same situations to deal with that the stony ground had. They don't let the cares of this world or the lust of other things or the deceitfulness of riches distract them. They had the same things to deal with that the thorny ground had. But they hear the word and keep it. By that, the word means, Jesus means, they continued to speak the word of God in their situation. And they bring forth fruit. In different measures, but they bring forth fruit. It produces results. In other words, Jesus is saying, here's the mystery. Here's the secret to the kingdom of God. No matter what, keep speaking the word. Notice in every situation, the devil works exactly the same way. And that is, he's going to stir up trouble, difficulty, circumstances. Maybe even responsibilities in your life. To keep you from speaking the word. That's all he's got, folks. That's all he's got. If he can't keep you from speaking the word of God, he cannot defeat you. Jesus goes on to tell us some other things about this. Verse 26, he said, It's so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. The casting seed he's talking about is speaking the word. He's talking about the words of your mouth being like seeds that you plant in the ground. He said, the whole of the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus defined the kingdom of God for us. The kingdom whereby God's will is done in your life here on the earth, just like it is in heaven. He said, what is that kingdom like? It's like a man planting seed in the, ga- in the ground. And should sleep and rise night and day and, be, and the seed should spring up, spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. 
For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He's very simply saying this, the whole of the kingdom of God, everything about God's will being done in your life here on the earth, just like it is in heaven, comes down to you speaking the word. Now, it doesn't work instantly. If it worked instantly, he wouldn't have to tell us about rising and sleeping day after day and night after night. He's saying very simply that you'll eventually have what you say. You'll eventually have what you say. Now, he gave us another example of the kingdom of God that we haven't looked at before that I want to make mention of because I think it's really important. Verse 30, and he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? That kingdom where the will of God is done in your life here on the earth like it is in heaven. Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? Notice what Jesus said. He said, It is like a grain of mustard seed which when it is sown into the earth is less or smaller than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Now, this is something that I think is very important because there are so many situations in our lives and so many situations that that people face that it seems like speaking the word is insignificant concerning the size or the scope or the severity, the critical nature of the situation that they're in. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people over the years come to me and say, Pastor Mike, here's a problem. I got blindsided with this and boy, this is a mess. What am I supposed to do? And I'll say, well, you better start speaking the word. Yeah, 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 I know that. But what am I supposed to do? Speak the word. Yeah, I know, but I've got to do something. And they don't equate speaking the word with taking action. Because the problem looks so much bigger than just the spoken word. And the deadline is looming or the the condition is critical, whatever the case might be. And so the idea that we're just going to speak words... And count that as really making a difference. It's just unfathomable, unfathomable to them. I planted something uh, in my backyard a couple of years ago. And I ordered some seed. And when the seed came, I was chopped. I mean, you had to have a handful of stuff just to see that there's anything in your hand. Well, that's what Jesus is talking about with the grain of mustard seed. It looks insignificant, but you give it enough time to grow and take root, and it'll become so much bigger than your problem, it'll completely overshadow it. That's what he's saying. That's what he's trying to tell us. God's will in your life can get bigger than any problem the devil can throw at you. And that's the way God wants it to be. Jesus defined the prayer of faith by saying, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Don't let your circumstances take you away from believing and confessing what you've prayed to receive. Thanks for watching today. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. No wonder the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What defense does the devil have for you throwing the word of God in his face? The power of God that cannot be broken. What defense does he have? None whatsoever. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.